All right, so we'll say good morning. Let's, uh, let's begin. So we left off, we left off on page, on page, excuse me, today's daf is daf Lamed Ches. We left off on Lamed Zayin Amud Beis. So if you remember again, we left off Tanan Hasam, two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven lines up from the bottom. Very interesting Gemara today, all about Na'anuim. Well, not all about, but the first part is about Na'anuim, about shaking the Luluf. So remember again, that was the Lushan of the Mishnah, we saw the Machlokas. Beishan Beisilas to when exactly we shake the lulav over the course of halal. So the Gemara now talks about shaking or waving in a different context. The Gemara says Tanan Hasam. We learned there, and here the Gemara is quoting a Mishnah from Meseches Menachos, and the Mishnah says the following: The two loaves and the two sheep that were brought, the two lambs that were brought on Shavuos. What do you do with them? You place the two loaves on top of the two lambs. And you place your hands underneath the lamb. And you wave the lambs. What do you do? You move the lambs forward and backwards. Up and down. So we see the concept of tenufa, the concept of waving, is not just a din, is not just a din of lulav, but rather a Again, we see primarily, or at least biblically, we see them by the Shtei by the offerings of Shavuos, and we also see it, by the way, where else? By Bikurim. By Bikurim also, Tenu for the act of waving is also part of the service. Amr Rabbi Yochanan. So Rabbi Yochanan says, well, what's the symbolism of the waving? Molich Umevi, and Rabbi said, this applies, by the way, to the Lulav as well. This applies to the Lulav as well. Molich Umevi, you bring it forward and backward. Why? Because the act of bringing it forward and backwards indicates an idea that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is control of all four directions. Ma'ala Umorit, you put, you, 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 Upward, you wave it upwards and downwards. To teach us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu ultimately is in control of the earth as well as the heavens. Take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says, Bless you, Rashi says, What the Hanafa demonstrates, the Hanafa in the context of a mitzvah, is by showing HaKadosh Baruch Hu's dominion ultimately up and down heaven and earth, all four directions, what we are ultimately demonstrating is that the world as a whole belongs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and therefore everything we do ultimately is done for the sake of God. In Eretz Yisrael, in Eretz Yisrael they taught the following. We move the lula forward and backward. In order to go ahead and... Stop detrimental winds. The Gemara discusses that there are certain winds that are detrimental for crops, certain winds that are detrimental for health. So we move the lulav forward and backward in order to go ahead. And this is not just lulav. This is any time we do a tenufa in order to go ahead and stop negative winds, detrimental winds. Ma'ala umorid. We put the lulav, we shake it up and down or move it up and down. In order to stop negative or detrimental rainfall or dewfall. So again, not every type of dew ultimately is beneficial. Some of it is detrimental. So again, we move it up and down in order to avoid 
or in order to in order in order to avoid in order to stop negative or detrimental dofall. Okay, so Rosa said so this is the symbolism, by the way, of the Nainuim. And by the way, they don't have to be mutually ex- exclusive. They can actually work very beautifully in concert together. The idea is we're expressing okay. dominion of Hakadosh Baruch Hu in all different directions, over the directions heaven and earth. We're also asking, in a physical sense, to stop negative winds, to go ahead and stop negative dofall. This teaches us shiare mitzvah ma'akvin esaparona. So I will say, what do you see from here? That shiare mitzvah. Now, what does shiare mitzvah mean? Shiare mitzvah means that even a leftover part, meaning even a non-essential part of a mitzvah, has the ability to go ahead and prevent negative things from occurring. Shahari tenufa shiare mitzvahi, because the act of waving rabosei is not a primary part of the mitzvah, and yet vaotzeres ruchos rose, it stops negative winds utilalim roim and detrimental do. I know, but I'm not going to stop again. Sounds right. Okay, so the Gemara says the following. Look at Rashi. Shiari mitzvah. Rashi says, Mitzvah shihi shirayim, she'ena ikra akev kapara. If you have a part of a mitzvah that is shirayim, that is a leftover part of the mitzvah, it's not an essential part of the mitzvah, meaning that when we say essential is that it's not, it's not essential to create atonement. Afapikin chashuvahi la'akev asaparonus. Nevertheless, even a quote-unquote insignificant part of the mitzvah is still strong enough to be able to offset negative things. Rashi says, Shahari Tanufa, so Rashi goes on to explain, he explains actually that this is by the other, by other carbonos, other sacrificial parts, that Lemaise again, Tanufa is not Ma'akev. So the Gemara says, And Rava says, so too with Lulav. Now what, what's so too with Lulav? Look at Rashi. That so too by Lulav, we do all of these things that we just described. Because also remember, the Tanufa that was being described on Amud Beis, on Lama Zayin, Amud Beis, was to Nufa vis-a-vis the Shavuos service. So now Rav is coming along and saying, oh, and by the way, now that we've established the proper order for Tanufa, that Tanufa, that act of waving, also goes ahead and applies to Lulav. Rav Acha Bar Yaakov, so we'll say again, we obviously over the years have also expanded this idea, Molech Humevi, with the Rishonim understand, not over the years, the Rishonim understand to mean that doesn't just have to be forward and backward. Molech Humevi could also mean what? In all directions, in all directions, which makes sense because the Gemara says that the symbolism of Molech Humevi is what? The symbolism of Molech Humevi is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has control over all four directions. So essentially, with the Tanufa process by by Shavuos is the same Tanufa process, same weaving process adopted by Lulav. So the Gemara goes weiter. Rav Acha Bar Yaakov Mematilei Umaisilei. I will say just an interesting aside, which we're not going to get to it today, but the interesting discussion, maybe we'll get to it at a different, we'll find a different thing when we have more time, is whether or not this waving includes shaking. Right, because right now, again, this is just talking about moving the lulav in that direction. Does it include a shaking of the lulav as well? Some a side discussion we'll have to have a different time. The would move his lulav forward and backward. and he would say, "Din gira This should be like an arrow in the eyes of the satan. 
Okay, Velav Nilsi, and the Gemara says, don't do that, it's not a good idea. Mishum Da'asi Ligiure Bey, because ultimately, again, literally, it could incite the Satan against the person. Look at Rashi Ligiure, Sheyiskare Bo Satan Shuyetzahara, Vyasienu Litos Me'al Kono. Literally, it will go ahead and incite the Satan, that is the Yetzahara, and the Yetzahara will bring a person ultimately again to transgress. So, also, I just think it's an interesting idea psychologically as well. What, what the, the proper approach in life is not to test yourself. The proper approach in life is not to place yourself in harm's way. The proper approach in life, to a certain degree, at least when it comes to sin, is avoidance. Avoid situations that ultimately, again, could compromise you. Avoid, don't, people, people are foolish sometimes and they say, oh, I'm strong enough, I could put myself in any situation, it's never going to be a problem. It's wrong, it's stupid, it's foolish, and it's arrogant. Because when people do that, even if you escape one time, two times, you will fail. You will fail. That's just the nature of man. The proper approach when it comes to avoidance of sin is literally avoidance of sin. I try to avoid the situations that could compromise me. So the Gemara says, do me a favor. Don't, don't start up with the Satan. Not that I'm afraid. Remember, we don't believe in the guy with the pitchfork. You know, and the, that's not what we're talking about. But don't, don't start up with that. Don't, don't incite yourself. Don't create a situation where you, where you demonstrate that you feel you have some level of mastery over the Yitzhahara when no man could ever truly claim to have accomplished that. Mishnah. Misha Baba Derech. We'll say another this is very interesting Gemara today. Misha Baba Derech. This, this, this is the real coffee. Let's be honest. This is the real coffee. Misha Baba Derech. Somebody came from traveling, came from the road, came from the journey, and he didn't have a lulav with him, meaning he didn't have a lulav with him on his journey. So he gets home now. He has not yet benched lulav and estrog. So what should he do? Lito lichashi kanis labeso. Excuse me. Shalah habiyad lito lichashi kanis labeso yita asholchano. So when you get home, you should take it on your table. Now I will say this lashon of taking it on your table. Rashi indicates the following: yita asholchano im shachach v'lo natal kodem achila. So we'll say this is what it sounds like. I, I was on a journey, and I did not have a lulav with me. So I came home. It's the middle of the day sometime. I have not yet benched lulav and estrog. So what should I do? What should I do? Now, the Mishnah seems to indicate, and I sat down to eat a meal. I was hungry, and I realized, oh, in the middle of the meal, I did not bench lulav and estrog. So what should I do, says the Mishnah? Stop. Stop in the middle of eating. Take lulav and estrog, and then continue your meal afterwards. So the Gemara says, "Lo notel shachris." If you did not shake the lulav in the morning, yitol bein ha'arbayim, then you could bench lulav and estrog in the afternoon. Why? Shekal hayom kosher lulav, because the entire day is kosher for netilas lulav. Says the Gemara, "Amrit." You know, you gave this lashon that you should take the table, uh, you should take, excuse me, you should bench lulav and esrog at your table, which the Gemara understands to mean what? Now, ultimately, again, what that seems to indicate is what? That if you started a meal and you're in the middle of your meal, that what, and you realize you didn't bench lulav and esrog, what should you do? Interrupt your meal. You have to interrupt your meal, in the middle of the meal, to bench lulav and esrog. The Gemara says, or mini, but raise the kasha. The Gemara over here quotes a Gemara from Masech Shabbos. And what is this Gemara talking about? Look at Rashi. Listen to this. The Gemara Masech Shabbos discusses the following idea, that there are certain things that you're not supposed to do at Mincha time. At Mincha time. 
But yet the Gemara says that what? So for example, let's keep a simple. He's not supposed to start a suda. You shouldn't start a suda at the time that mincha comes around. Rather, what should you do? First dava mincha, then have your suda. I. What happens if you started your suda? So what does the halach, What does the Gemara say? In mafsigni, you don't have to stop. So here we see, for example, by mincha, that if I started, if I started my suda, I need not stop the suda from mincha. Rather, what? Finish the suda. And when I finish the suda, I'll do mincha afterwards. That contradicts our Mishnah. Because what does our Mishnah say? If I started the suda, but I realized that I did not yet bench live in that suda, what do I have to do? I have to be masik. I have to stop. So what's going on over here? Um, Rav Safra, Rav Safra says, no, 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 low kasha. It's not a contradiction. So if Safra says it's not a kasha, why? Two different cases. The case by the case by Mincha is where what? There's enough time during the day. There's enough time during the day where what? I can finish my meal and there's still time for Mincha afterwards. The case of the Mishnah is what, Rabosai? I got home late in the day and I'm sitting down to eat this Suda. And if I'm not mafsik now, then what? Then what? I might lose the window to perform the mitzvah. So what the what Safra is suggesting is, essentially, if there would be enough time, you're right, you don't have to be mafsik, finish whatever you're doing. Finish, again, I'll say, I want to be clear. The lechatchila is, don't start the su'uda until you discharge the mitzvah at hand, be it mincha or be it, or be it lulav. But if you start it already, you could continue as long as what? There'll be enough time to, during, later on in the day to do the mitzvah. If for some reason there's not enough time, then enochinami, you have to stop right now to do the mitzvah. I'm a rabbi, so I don't understand my kushya. What, what's the question? Dilma ha so the so Rava says you're comparing apples and oranges. You're comparing lulav to mincha. Lulav is daraisa, mincha is drabanon. So maybe when it comes to mitzvah daraisa, you have to be mafsik. You have to be mafsik. Even, even if there's time, you still have to be mafsik right now to do it. When it comes to mitzvah drabanon, like, like mincha, that you don't have to be mafsik for. Ela Amar Rava. So Rava says, Ela Ikasha Hakasha. So Rava says, if you're going to ask a question, here's the question you should ask. What did the Mishnah say? The Mishnah said, when you come into your house, you should take the lulav by your table. Alma Dimafsik. So we'll say the lotion of taking it at your table indicates that you already sat down to a suda, and therefore the Mishnah is telling me that you should interrupt your suda to go ahead and what? To go ahead and take lulav and esrog. But yet then later on the Mishnah says, Lo natal shachris yital ben harabayim. But yet the same Mishnah says just a moment later that what? If you didn't take it in the morning, you could take it in the afternoon, which indicates that what? Alma lo mafsik. Which also indicates to us what that that what that you don't have to stop everything you're doing to do the mitzvah of lulav because you have time throughout the day. Amar of Safra lo kasha. Rav Safra Bosa again answers his same answer. Had diika shahuspayom. Had deleka shahuspayom. Rav Safra says it's not a contradiction. Everything depends on what, like most things in life, timing. Right? If you have time, if there's more time throughout the day to perform the mitzvah, then lemaisa, again, you don't have to stop what you're doing to perform the mitzvah. Rather, again, you can do it later. But if there's not enough time throughout the day and we're nervous that the window is going to close, then you should interrupt whatever you're doing to do the mitzvah now. Amr Abzeir, Abzeir, this is my kushya. What's the question? Dilma mitzvah lafsuke. So comes along Reb Zira and says, well, maybe, maybe, maybe it's not such a kasha. People were saying is like this. You should stop. If I came home, I didn't yet bench Lulav and Esrog. I sat down to eat a meal. I realized, oh, I haven't bench Lulav and Esrog yet. You know, 
You should stop. Stop what you're doing. But, but what? But what if you didn't stop? Okay. If you didn't stop, you're still okay. Why? Because you could fulfill the mitzvah lulav and esrog throughout the entire day. Shekol hayom kasher lelulav. Ela amr abzera. The olam kedarmina meikara. In reality, it's as we said before. I udekashilacha hada oraisa. Hada oraisa. Look around. She will say. Amr abzera the olam. Ki itzrich rav safra the shanuye. Mishum kushya kamaisa itzrich. So I will say, in reality, we're going to go back. We're going to go back and really go with the original approach of 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 Rav Safra. So the Gemara says, but what? So say, I we ask, but we ask the question that how can you compare it to the Mishnah in Shabbos? Because after all, again, the Mishnah in Shabbos is it the Oraisa and when is it the Rabbanon? Hacha Biontov Sheni Drabanan Askinon. Oh. What's the case of the Mishnah? I will say it's very interesting. The case of the Mishnah is a case of Yom Tov Sheni. I will say if it's meaning that it's the second day Yom Tov. And what's the raya to that? What's the raya that it's that it's Yom Tov Sheni? And I will say that Yom Tov Sheni doesn't have to mean just second day Yom Tov. Yom Tov Sheni means any day after the first. What's the raya that it's this sec- that it's the second day? Because what's the Lashon? Lashon is somebody comes from a journey and he didn't have a lulav in his hand. The Isakadaitcha, meaning he didn't have a lulav with him. The Isakadaitcha Yom Tov Rishon, Mishari. Is there a concept of journeying on the first day of Yom Tov? So we've seen this concept that's what? Now that's why, again, when he says Yom Tov Shini, Yom Tov Shini doesn't have to mean like our Yom Tov Shini, which we celebrate as Yom Tov Rishon, means second day Yom Tov, which in our Israel already is Chalamoid. So the Gemara therefore says the case of the Mishnah is talking about a case of really Chalamoid, or any day past the first day. Because is somebody going to be journeying on the first day of Yom Tov? The answer is, of course not. So the Maisi Gen say what comes out from this Mishnah is the following Yisod, which is, which is that which is that if one came home and did not yet go ahead and did not yet go ahead and bench Luv and so they should do that first thing before anything else. However, again, if one did sit down for a su'uda without and then realize in the middle of the su'uda that I have not yet bench Luv and so the truth is a person should stop. A person should really stop and bench Luv and right then and there. If a person did not, it's okay also, provided that what? Provided that what? There's more time throughout the day to be able to bench Luv and Esrog. If a person is worried that if they went to Suda, literally the window is going to close, then Allah Lamaisa, a person must stop in order to fulfill the mitzvah. Says the Mishnah, Misha Haya, and this is another interesting sugya, Misha Haya Eved O Isha O Katan Makrinoso. Both say, listen to this. So now we're transitioning to a discussion about Hallel. About Hallel. So let's say a person, a person, what, the way he was reciting halal is that he had an eved, a servant, or a woman, or a kadon, or a child, makrinoso. They were reading the phrase for him, and he, he, the he in this case, by the way, is an adult male. <coughs> and he, the who, oh, sorry, makrinoso, ona achrein ma shehin omrim. he answers after what they are saying. Now look at Rashi. Rashi says, makrinoso, you know again. This was often the way they conducted themselves, meaning it wouldn't davening. Echot kore halal. One would read the halal, umotzi es harabim, and he would discharge the obligation of the collective. Vim haya eved o isha o katan, hoil ve'in michuya bedavar, 
ain motzi es hamachuyev midi chovah. So hilchach ona achar of komashum omer. I'll say now this is very interesting. Halochel emaisa. In order, we're going to touch on the concept of, of shomei kaona. So shomei kaona means what? If if let's say again we we I I you say you recite something. I could be yotze with your recitation if I listen, and you have in mind to discharge my obligation, provided that what? We are on the same level of obligation. You have to have the same level of obligation in order to discharge. So, for example, again, I can go ahead, right, while having a Shabbos suit together, one of us can make Kiddush on behalf of the rest, the collective, as long as we're all listening, and then Makadish, one who's making Kiddush, could go ahead and be motzi- and, and has in mind to discharge everyone's obligation. That's because we're all on the same level. But if you have two people on dissimilar levels of obligation, well, the one on the higher level of obligation could discharge one on the lower level of obligation, but not vice versa. So, for example, says the Gemara over here, that like this, if you have an individual who is, who is now reciting, so, I'm sorry, let me say it differently. So, therefore, Rashi says, the way they used to recite Hallel was that they have the Tzibor, and their Chazan would say Hallel out loud, and everyone else would listen, and they would discharge their obligation with the recitation of the chazim. Let's say, however, the person who's reciting it for you doesn't share your same level of obligation. The person is an evet, a servant, not obligated like you. An isha, not obligated like you. And halal is still part of a mitzvah seishaz man grama. A cut on a child who's not obligated. So what happens in that case? So in that case, the halacha is, they, if they recite halal, in order for me to discharge my obligation, what do I have to do? I have to repeat. So I'm not utilizing Shomea Ka'ona. <laughs> Essentially, what am I doing? What I'm saying Hallel. I'm reciting Hallel. Just, again, obviously this is a case of ignorance where the person does not know how to recite Hallel. And therefore, again, and therefore, again, these individuals who are not obligated, they can't be motzi me, they're saying it and I'm repeating it. But look what the Mishnah says. V'tavo lo me'ira. But a curse should come upon such a man. That's... Pretty stark. So the Gemara says, the Mishnah says, what does that mean? Tawla me'ira. Shalom lamad. So cursed be such a person who allows himself to remain in such a state of ignorance that he doesn't know how to recite halal and the only way he can discharge his obligation is by hearing it from others who aren't even obligated in the same way. So we'll say again, Rashi says again, you're cursed. Either because, again, I'll both say, there is no punishment for being ignorant. There is a punishment for sustaining ignorance. Sometimes a person is ignorant because they, they didn't know. They didn't have the opportunity to learn. So, okay, that's fine. But once you, be, come, once, once you become an adult, you have mastery over your circumstances. If you choose to remain ignorant, for that you are liable. So the, so the Mishnah says, a curse should come upon the person who allows himself to remain in a state of ignorance that he can't go ahead and even recite halal for himself. So the Gemara says, Imhaya Godel, Makre also. say again, on the other hand, if you had a Godel, Godel means an adult, an adult male. If an adult male was reciting the Halos, so and now again, say you have someone who shares your same level of obligation, then Makre also, Makre also, Ona Achrav, Hallelujah. So what happens, Rabosai? In that case, what they would do is, so the Godel, the Chazan, would read it, and everyone else would simply respond, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what they would respond. That, that, was, that was the equivalent of Amen for Hallel. Rashi points out, Onin of Hallelujah. I called Dover Shu Omer. So every single time he would say something, again, we'll see, was it after every statement? Was it after every paragraph? This was the response for Hallel. So again, I remember, 
this is reflecting also a different mode of tefillah. The, mode, the original mode of tefillah was much more a passive experience on the part of the congregation. The chazin did the active parts, the congregation did listening, and they were yotze ultimately with the shliach tzibor. So apparently with halal as well, the shliach tzibor would say it, they would answer halaluka, and that would be it. Makum shenahagu lichpal. Very interesting. Just in general, I always find that it's interesting to see like evolution of the of the halachic and prayer experience because that's what often happens. So just see how they used to do halal to contrast with how we do it now. So the Mishnah goes on. He says, "Makom shenagu." I'm sorry, "Makom shenagu lichpol yichpol." In where, where you have a minog to go ahead and repeat phrases in halal, you can repeat phrases in halal. So say again, we know we do this in certain parts in halal, and we will see historically different parts of halal were, were repeated. Lifshot, yifshot, if again, but if the custom is to go ahead and just recite a particular verse once, you just recite it once. Or in other words, say, what do you, I'm sorry, levarich, yivarich, to make a bracha, make a bracha. Now this is not referring to the bracha at the beginning of halal, this is referring to the bracha at the end of halal. Everyone agrees that you make a bracha at the beginning of Hallel, there were different minhagim as to what you do at the end of Hallel. Hakol kamina gamadina. Well, it's very interesting. When it comes to Hallel, everything follows the standard custom of where you live. There were varying customs from locale to locale. Tana Rabbana says the Gemara, Be'emes Amru, listen to this. In reality, they've said, we have said, Ben Mevarich Laviv, a son, a son could go ahead and literally make a bracha for his father. And a servant could make a bracha for his master. And a woman could discharge her husband's obligation. Look at Rashi for just a moment. So here, the Gemara is quoting, this is a sugi rabosai. We saw the sugya about a year and a half ago in Masechah's Brachas. So Rashi points out over here, Ben Mevarech Laaviv, Birkas Hamazon, Meshiegiyah Lechinoch, Techayiv Medirabanon, Ub Masechah's Brachas, Perak Mishamesu, Mokim Lakigon Shlo Achal, Aviv Elekizayis, or Kibetza, Dahavi Shiura Dirabanon, Dibindaraisa, Lomachayiv, Ad Sava. Listen to this. So remember, the Gemara says, technically speaking, a son, a son, a child, once he reaches the age of Chinoch, could bench on behalf of his father, and his father could listen, answer amen to his son's brachos, and the father could be yotzei. Now, I say, how could that be? Because again, because again, we only say shomek only, only works when, when people enjoy the same level of obligation. So the answer is like this. Rabbi say you are only chayiv to bench midoraisa if what? If a person is satiated. Let's say, again, I'm not satiated. I, I ate a kezayis of bread. I have a rabbinic obligation to bench. Well, if an adult male eats only kezayis of bread, he has a, biblical, is a, a rabbinic obligation to bench. A child who's reached the age of chinoch has a rabbinic obligation to bench. Similarly, a woman... A woman, now again, woman is interesting when it comes to Birkas HaMazel. Let's assume for now, for just a moment, that a woman, well, truth is, you could even say, let's, let's keep it easier. A woman has a biblical obligation to bench. A man has a biblical obligation to bench. An Eved may have a rabbinic obligation to bench. And his Adom have, so therefore, in all of these cases, technically speaking, because these two people enjoy the same level of obligation, a wife could recite Birkas HaMazel on behalf of her husband. She has in mind to discharge his obligation. He has in mind to discharge his obligation. Obligation and lemaisa what and therefore again he could be yotze. The son could bench on behalf of his father and again, assuming they have all the right kavanas, he could be yotze ever as well. So technically it works, but aval amru chachamim tavo meira li adam she ishto ubanav mevarchin lo. 
A curse should come upon a man whose wife and whose children have to go ahead and bench on his behalf. Rashi points out, So Chazal say it works, it works. But woe to the person who has to use this. Woe to the person who is so significantly ignorant that he cannot bench on his own and he needs to rely on his child and he needs to rely on his wife or needs to rely on his servant to discharge his obligation. So technically, mechanistically, it works. But again, says Chazal, what a sorry state of affairs for a man who has to rely on this. Hilchasa. So now, I'm sorry. So now, fine. That's the end of that. Amar Rava. Rava said, that this is really fascinating, and I encourage you, you know, it's a fast day. Hopefully you'll have a little bit of downtime over the course of the day. We're, we're, I'm, not, I'm giving you advance warning. I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to do justice to this because just because of timing. This is fascinating. What Rav is saying is like this. Halal over time has evolved. It's evolved. It's looked different ways over the ages. Now, why, now, how do we know that already? How do we know that? That Halal's looked, what, why? Minagamakam. Right? Because how, what did the Mishnah say? Essentially, when it comes to Halal, everything is Kiminagamadina. So what Rava points out is that our contempt, Rava's pretty much referring to the, the, pretty much the Halal we have today. That our Halal that we have today contains almost allusions to all different types of halalim and all different types of halachas that have been in effect over the ages. That's why he says, Amarava, You could learn many great halachas from Mimin Haga de Halila, from our halal. So listen to this. Hu Omer, hallelujah. Vehein Omrim, hallelujah. He, and whenever you see, whenever you see he, 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 I'm sorry, who, who means he, right? Well, obviously, right? Who, the he refers to the shliach tzibor, refers to the chazin. So who, Omer, hallelujah, whenever the chazin recites hallelujah, hein omrim hallelujah, the tzibor responds hallelujah. What do we see from here? Mikan shemitzvah la'anos hallelujah. From here we see the Rabbi that whenever you hear hallelujah, the proper response is what? Is hallelujah. Hu Omer, hallelujah avde Hashem. When the Shliach Tzibor, when the Shliach Tzibor says hallelujah avde Hashem, vehein omrim, hallelujah. They respond hallelujah. Mikan, shem haya godol makreoso, ona acharav hallelujah. From here we see what Rabbi that if halal is being led by an adult male, that Essentially, we could rely on Shomea Kaona. And Shomea Kaona says that whatever the Shriach Tzibur says, it's as if you said it yourself. And therefore, you need not actually recite the words. All you need to do is answer a response in the affirmative. So whereas normally a response in the affirmative would be Amen, for Halal, the response in the affirmative is Hallelujah. Hu Omer Hodu Hashem. The Chazin says Hodu Hashem. The Hain Omrim Hodulashem. And the Tzibor responds, Hodulashem. What do we see from here? Mikan Shemitzvah Laanos Rashi Prakim. From here we see that in Halal there is a mitzvah to repeat the beginnings of each paragraph. That after the Chazin says it, the Tzibor repeats just the beginning phrase of the paragraph as well. Itmar Nami. So too it was stated. Omar of Chanan Barava. 
mitzvah la'anos rashi prakim. It is a mitzvah to go ahead and repeat the beginnings of the paragraph. So Rabbi say again, the way it works, obviously our recitation of halal is different because in our halal, we do not rely on shomei kona. We do not rely on the chazan really for anything. We say it ourselves, but at some point in time, even when they relied on the chazan to recite it, the chazan would recite the opening words of the paragraph and everyone would repeat those same opening words. Hu omer ana Hashem hoshiana. The chazan says, ana Hashem, please Hashem, provide us with salvation, save us. And they also say, ana Hashem hoshiana. What do we see from here? Mikan shim hayakatan makre oso onin acharav. From here we see Rabbi say that what? That if there was a cut on leaving Halel, that you cannot rely on Shomei Kona, and what would you do? You'd have to repeat the same words after the Chatan. So Rabbi say, what, what, what Rav is pointing out over here is that certain of these practices were built into Halel as a way of what? As a way of, as a way of remembering the Halachos. It's fascinating, right? Yes. Yes, thank you. Right? It's, it's riveting because why? Because what it's saying is that Chazal structured Halel in a way that the halachos were built into it, even though it was not necessarily pertinent to that particular recitation. So some, therefore, some things will say responsively, some things will just say hallelujah. Here, we're going to say, the Chazin says, Ana Hashem we repeat Ana Hashem What's that a remez to? That's a remez that if for some reason your halal is being led by a katan, remember, you can't use the, you can't use the concept of Shomei Akona by a katan, because the katan is not on the same level as the adult male. Therefore, what do you do? The, the katan says you have to repeat every word after him. Who Omer Ana Hashem the Chazan says, Ana Hashem Hatzlichana. Vehein Omrim, and they say, Ana Hashem Hatzlichana. Mikan She'imbal Lichbal Kofel. What do we see from that? So I will say, from the repetition of Ana Hashem Hoshiana, we learn that if a cotton was leading Halel, you have to repeat every word after him. From the repetition of Ana Hashem Hatzlichana, what do we learn? We learn that that if you want to double up, if you want to repeat phrases in halal, you have the right to do so. I'll say, again, remember, in other places in tefillah, it's not poshut that you could just repeat anything you want, but in halal, apparently we have the license to repeat whatever we want. Hu omer barach haba, omrim The chazin says, apparently, again, in earlier forms of halal, the chazin would say barach haba, and the tzibra would answer, b'shem Hashem. Mikan l'shomea ka'one. And I will say, from here we see the concept of Shomea Ka'ona. I will say, the fact that I don't have to recite Baruch Haba, but I can go ahead and just simply rely on the Chazan's recitation of Baruch Haba, and all I need to do is articulate B'Shem Hashem, indicates that what I hear from the Chazan is as if what? Is as if I've said it myself. They asked the Rav Chibar Abba the following question. Shama velo ana mahu. I will say, what happens... What happens if what happens if a person heard but did not answer? Shama velo ana. So we'll say this is in the case of now we're saying shomea kaona. So shomea kaona. So normally, normally requires some type of response. Whether that response is amen, whether that response is hallelujah, whether that response is b'shem Hashem, you normally need something. What happens if you listened but you didn't respond? Amr lehu. So he said to him, again, the, the Rabbi Chibar Abba responded, Amr Luhu Chachimaya, the scholars, the Safriya, the teachers, the Reisha, the leaders of the people, the Darshan, Darshanim, Amru, they all said, Shama Velo Ana Yatsa. That Rabbi said, if you had Kavana to listen and to discharge your obligation and to be Yotze, even if you did not respond with any type of affirmation, you are still Yotze. It Marnami Amrabshem Ben Pazi Amrabi Oshua Ben Levi Mishum Bar Kafra 
From where do we know the concept of Shomea Kaona? The said, this is very interesting. So what, Shomea Kaona is a major concept for us. So where, where, is the, where, where do we find it, the proof to it that it exists, that such a concept like this exists? It's very interesting. It comes from Navi, at least for now. It comes from Navi. Where do we see it in Navi? Dixiv, es hadvarim asher kara yoshiyahu. So listen to this. So the the pasuk talks about Rabbi saying the idea that it's talking about when Yoshio becomes king. Yoshio becomes king at a very young age, and the Beis Hamikdash is in total disarray. Yoshio orders for a cleanup and reconstruct, or, or I should say, in fixing up of the Beis Hamikdash. They found the Sefer Torah that was kept in the Azara. That Sefer Torah was normally that was a safe, that Sefer Torah was normally kept by Bereshis. They found it, they opened it up, and they found that it was by the Tochacha. It was by the series of curses in Devarim. Yoshio took this as a very serious, terrible omen, and therefore really sparked, really sparked a tshuva campaign. Rabosa, if you remember again, on Tisha B'av, we have, we have a kina, and the kina is Vayikonin Yermiyahu Al Yoshiyahu. Yoshio was the last king during the first temple era. It was he when he died. That was the that was the that was the nail in the coffin. That was it. Yoshio was killed in battle. So ultimately, again, so what happened? So the Navi says that Yoshiyahu read all of these things that he found when he opened the Torah. So the Gemara says, one second. V'chi Yoshio, Koran, did Yoshio read from the scroll when they found it? It's not true. V'halo Shafan Koran, Shafan Rabosai was the one who read from the Torah, because the Pasuk says, Vayikra Shafan, Vayikari Shafan, Shafan, remember, Chilkio, who was the coin Gadol, Chilkio was the coin Gadol, found it, he gave it to Shafan, and Shafan read the Torah before King Yoshio, Vayikaru Shafan is called Ramail, Lifnei HaMelech, Elamikano Shemeyakona, so what says, what do you see from here, what do you see from here, Shafan was the one who read it, what was Yoshio doing, he was listening, and yet what does the Pasuk say, that Yoshio read it. What do we see from here? Mikan the Shomea Kona. From here we see that what? That when you listen to something with intent, it is as if you read it yourself. So Mara says, well, maybe not. Vidilma, basa de karanu shafan kara Yoshio. I, maybe after shafan read it, Yoshio read it afterwards. Amrav acha bar Yaakov lo, sakadaitcha dichsev, ya'an, ya'an rach levavcha, that can't be why, because later on the Navi says to Yoshio that because your heart was soft and you humbled yourself before God when you heard the words of the Torah. The words of the Torah that the Navi is referring to is what? When Yoshio heard that the Torah was being read. So what do you see from here? That Yoshio himself never read the words of the Torah, rather in this context. Rather what happened? He heard it being read by Shafan, and yet what? The Navi reckons it as if Yoshio read it himself. Visham Acha. So clearly see Yoshio only heard it below Bikar Acha. And ultimately again never read it himself. What do you see from here, Rabosai? That Shomea Kaona. So this is fascinating. That the concept of Shomea Kaona, in fact, does not seem to have a biblical origin, although we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this more tomorrow. But rather, again, it seems to be that the, the proof for it comes from this episode with Yoshio Hanavi. Well, so I just point out over here. If you take a look at Tosa, so just a moment, Tosa says, Shama velo ana yatsa. Tosa says, Mish ene yodea likros velo lanos. 
im shama v'kiven es libo l'shmoa. Af al pishlo ano yatsa. I will say that this is halacha l'maisa. That again, if a person does not know how to read, a person doesn't know how to recite something, and you listen, and your kavon is to discharge your obligation, even if you do not answer in the affirmative with an amen and halaluka b'shem Hashem, whatever it is, you're yotze. I will say this is very important. V'chein l'mispalalin b'tzibor v'shliach tzibor omer kedusha o yehesh me rabba. This is very interesting. Now, this actually, again, I'm going to give this to you, but we're not going to have time to really go through it now. Take a care. Just uh, pass it around quickly. So I'll just show you only in the one minute that we have. What Tosas points out over here is you see from this sugya that what? That lemaisa shamea ka'ona works even if even if you don't answer anything. Now this is very interesting because if you take a look, I've asked you over here from Hilchos Tfilah, Simen Kof Dalit Sif Zayin, top of the page. The Shulchan Arach writes, Eino posek, Eino posek, lo lekadish velikdusha, eli yishtok v'yichavi lemashamar shatz, v'yihei ka'ona. So let's say I'm in the middle of Shmona Esrei. I'm in the middle of Shmona Esrei. What happens? And the Chazin gets up to Kaddish or Kedusha. So what do I do if I'm in the middle of Shmona Esrei? I'm quiet. I don't say anything. I listen to what the Chazin is saying. I have Kavana. And it's like what? It's like Shomea Ka'ona. Now I'm both saying, here's the problem. If it's like Shomea Ka'ona, then what? Then what? Then why isn't that a hefsake in the middle of Shmona Esrei? Mm-hmm. Look at what the Mishnah Bura says. Mishnah Bura says, V'yei Ka'ona, Chafchas, just quickly, V'yei Ka'ona, Le'inyan she'yatsa ba'zei yedei chiv kadesh kedusha, u'mika makam lachashiv hefsek. So this is interesting. Right? We're, we're, to a certain degree, we're almost like talking out of two sides of our mouth. What we're saying is, Lemaisa, real Shomea Ka'ona requires what? Requires an affirmation. Requires a verbal affirmation on the part of the listener. If you didn't answer, it works. But, but as long as there's no verbal affirmation, it's not a hefsake. So therefore, we kind of play this both ways. So therefore, I'm in the middle of Shemona Esrei. I cannot go ahead. I cannot go ahead and be mafsik. But at the same time, I don't want to miss the Kaddish. I don't want to miss the Kedusha. I don't want to miss the Baruch Hu, To which the Halacha says it's okay, based on this Tosis, based on this Gemara. That Shemei Kona works even if you're not answering. But because there's no verbal affirmation, it doesn't count as a hefsake. So it counts as if I'm Yose, as if I heard it. But it doesn't count as a hefsake because I'm not answering. Therefore, Halacha, this is the Shulchan Aruch. If I'm in the middle of Shemona Esrei and there's Kaddish, Kedusha, Baruch Hu, what's the proper protocol? Stop what you're doing. Listen even concentrate on what they're doing, that discharges my obligation. That's as if I've recited it, but at the same time does not create a half-sake in my Shimon Esrei. All right, I'll stop over here.